Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody in the house. We got a full house in here today. How was worship? Good? Yeah, it was awesome. Hello to everybody out there who's watching online. And before we do get started, I do want to say really quick to, to the over 400 people who volunteer on a weekly basis, I just want to say we praise God for you. We cannot do what we do without you. So on behalf of babies, toddlers, come on, we need some help in there, uh, kids, students, and adults, I just want to praise God really quick for all of you and say thank you. Can we just praise God really quick for all of you and say yes, thank you. Thank you so much for what you do. And I know that like just doing a little breakfast isn't a whole lot, but it's just something for us to say, we're so grateful. We can't do what we do without you. And we are so thankful for you serving here uh, on Sundays and, and beyond that for Ridge Group leaders and, and mops and all the stuff that we do throughout the week. Thank you so much. Hey, let's get to it. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Let's open them up to Genesis 37. Genesis chapter 37. Uh, so we are uh, going through God's story in a year. And today, uh, this morning, we're actually ending part one. Uh, we're finishing up the book of Genesis with part one, which we're calling In the Beginning. Uh, and then next week, we're gonna start part two, uh, which we're calling The Rise and Fall of God's People. And that's gonna basically take us all the way through the rest of the Old Testament. We're gonna uh, go into summer with part two. And so I just wanna encourage you as we're doing this together, uh, to, to keep up with us on Sundays here. Uh, and if you, if you don't know, we have uh, black uh, guides out there, uh, book guides that, that will show you every Sunday from, from beginning all the way to the end of what we're talking about here on Sunday mornings. Uh, we also have individual reading plans uh, that we're giving out. If you didn't grab one, you can get one of those out there too. It's a white reading plan that gives you uh, what we're, where we're at. So you can pick up wherever, wherever we are. You can pick up right now. It gives you the dates and all that stuff. Uh, and so I just wanna encourage you to maybe start or, keep going. Wherever you are with us, keep going uh, and keep up as we journey through the Bible in a year. Uh, all right, so let's get going. So before we get started in the message, here's how I want to start today. I want to start by just asking you a question and something to think about. Here it is. How would you respond, all right, to a bad situation if you knew for a fact that God was with you? How would you respond to something that happens if you knew that God was with you, we all have situations that we wish were different, right? We all have those. There's a lot of things for a lot of people. Maybe it's a job thing going on right now that we wish was a little different. Maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe it's a money thing. There's a lot that, that we're going through that we wish was maybe different. But what would someone who's going through the exact thing that you're going through do if they knew for a fact, without a doubt, that God was with them? Would it look different? than how you're responding or, or maybe vice versa for you. Uh, what would you do if you were in their situation and you knew God, would you do something different? This reminds me right now uh, of a circumstance uh, that we went through recently with one of our kids. A couple months ago, they got earrings, all right? It was great, everything was good, it went really well. Uh, and then just not too long ago, uh, got, one of the ears got a little infected, all right? One of the ears got a little infected and it slowly turned into a nightmare, okay? Because we had to get the earring out and it was not good. It was really bad and, and so it was, and it was hard to get that thing out and, and, and to get it going and we just, I knew, I could just see how 
bad it was hurting her. And all we needed to do was just get that thing out, right? And, and so, and she was really not, this was a bad circumstance for her. She was like, okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. Okay, just stop. Okay, go ahead. No, 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 wait, 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 stop. Okay, go, okay. Okay, okay, I'm ready. Okay, wait, 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 stop. Okay, can we take a break? And we're like, we haven't even walked towards you right now. Okay, like that. And so then we're in, this is a true story. We're in the bedroom, me and Corey. Henry's up there. She wanted him up there too. And so she's walking out in the hallway and I hear her mumbling. She's just mumbling. I'm like, what's she doing? So I lean in, a true story, man. And she is praying. She's like, God, I know you're with me. I know you're, she was cry praying. She's like, give me strength. I know I can do it. Help me, God. And I love that. I love that that was her response in the situation that she was in. And it only took another three hours to get that thing out. Okay, so it was, it was great. Two hours, I don't know, something. You can ask Corey, it took a long time. <laughs> today, today, we're gonna talk about this guy named Joseph and how he responds to the circumstances in his life. Now, Joseph's story, if you've already read it in your reading plan, it covers about a quarter of the whole book of Genesis. This is an important uh, man, an important story in God's story. And, uh, but here's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see with Joseph, God's call on his life and then how his life takes an immediate wrong turn for the next 23 years. And what we're gonna see, gang, is we're gonna see Joseph give an answer over and over and consistently to this question, what would someone do if they knew God was with them? And here's what Joseph's answer is. If you're taking notes, go ahead and grab those and get those out because this is the theme of Joseph's life. And hopefully for us today, it's an encouragement of where we could be. And it's this, this is what he would say. My answer would be this, don't give up. Don't give up. So let's get going. Right now, uh, where we're at in God's story uh, is, is that God is choosing uh, to write his narrative, his story uh, through right now through these patriarchs, these, these men of faith and their families. Uh, so we saw a few weeks ago where uh, it starts with Abraham who gets this call from God and, and to begin this family line that will eventually get us to Jesus. That's where we're gonna get to Jesus. And then Abraham, we see has a son named Isaac. Then Isaac has a son named Jacob, which was where we were last week. And then Jacob, has a son named Joseph. And so we're gonna read here uh, and, and we're gonna be in kind of a couple acts with Joseph. This is act one, uh, Genesis 37. Let's read verse one. Here's what it says. It says, all right, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel, who's Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So, so here's where we are. This is kind of the introduction of Joseph. Could have been a little better, okay? Uh, but this is the introduction that we have. And so what we know about him is that he is the second youngest of 12 brothers. The youngest was named Benjamin, but he's the second youngest. And we see that Jacob loved Joseph, right? He, and he, he was his favorite. And he loved him so much that he made him this sweet 70s rainbow robe, okay, to prove it that he loved him, okay? And not only uh, is he the favorite of his dad, but we also see here Joseph's a snitch, okay? He's a snitch, all right? Anybody, anybody have that growing up? Anybody have the I'm telling mom, I'm telling dad, brother, sister, raise a hand? Who had that growing up? Some kids are like, right now, right? Like, I was lucky. I was lucky, man. I have a brother. He's two years older. 
and uh, we, we were really close. We're very different, very different, and we made a lot of bad decisions, uh, but we never snitched on each other. We never told on each other or anything like that, and, and I remember, I actually remember the very first time I heard my brother say the cuss word. I was like, woo, like he said the word, and I'm like, you just said that really bad word. Never said anything, never said anything, never snitched, uh, and then I remember one time we got into a fight, right? Like just like brothers do, we got into a fight all the time, and I straight punched him in the face. And it was the first time I ever hit him in the face. And it was, cra- and it was the only time, but it was, it was crazy because we had this moment where we were both so shocked by it. We stared at each other for three seconds. We were like, <laughs> and then I ran for my life, okay? Like I ran and he never told. He never, we settled like brothers. I never hit him again in the face, but like he never, never we had a silent pact. I know some of you wish you had that with a brother or sister, but we see Joseph here. He's a snitch, right? And if I'm a brother, I'm not happy. And it says that they're not only just miffed by it, but they hated him. They hated him. That's a, strong, that's a strong word. Next verse, verse five, it says this. Now, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And here's why they hated him even more. It was because of what the dream was about. See, here's what Joseph dreamed. He dreamed uh, that his brothers would bow down to him, that he would be some kind of ruler over his brothers. Now, I ask you, if you are in a situation where you know for a fact that your brothers hate you, right? And you have this information about being ruler over them, what do you do with this information? Well, he takes a direct route and just tells them about the dream, okay? He goes, hey, fellas, check this out. I had a dream that I, you bowed down to me. Pretty sweet, right? That didn't go real good. It went about as good as you expect. So they hated him even more. And so, okay, so he sees this, sees their reaction to it. Okay, got it, not gonna make that mistake again. Verse nine says this. It says, then he had another dream. I don't know, he dreamed another dream. And it says that he told his brothers, told his brothers, my man. My man is like, he's pretty gifted in the vision department. Not so good in reading the room, everybody. Like he's not very good at that. And so this dream is the same dream, but then not just his brothers are bowing down to him. Now, now mom and dad are as well. And he tells them this. And so they tell Jacob and Jacob gets wind of this. And again, Jacob is the only dude that's in Joseph's court. And he goes, listen, man, like, you need to like just pipe down a little bit on this dream stuff. Don't be saying that to them. And here's the thing. Jacob knew a little bit about what's going on. He had a call from God like that. He had dreams as well, but he's like, man, just keep your trap shut. And so then one day, uh, all of his brothers are out there working and Jacob tells Joseph, hey, you need to go out and just check on them. Go see how they're doing, bring some stuff to them. And so he's all right. So he gets his glitter coat and bell bottoms on. He starts going out there, goes towards them, check on them. And, and they end up seeing him from far away. And they say, hey, here comes this dreamer. And what ends up happening is he gets there and they strip him of his robe, they throw him into a pit and they end up selling him to some traders as a slave. So needless to say, they still have some issues with Joseph. You know what I'm saying? Like just so, and then to go further than that, they, they kind of rip up his robe, put blood on it. They go home and tell his dad that he's been killed by a lion and they, they console the dad. And so now we're all starting to feel a little bit better about our own family trees, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, so just saying. So chapter nine or chapter 39, uh, and here's, here's where we're gonna continue with the story. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Now, that's a pretty interesting 
story right so far. This is the recap of act one. Here's a recap of act one, all right? Joseph has a calling from God, right? And as a result of this calling, uh, he has a dream that leads to banishment from his brothers being thrown into pit and being sold as a slave. That's not a great start for Joseph, is it? That's not a very good start at all. But here's what we're gonna see. Joseph does not give up. And we know that because of the very next verse. Here's the very next verse right after it says this, that the Lord was with Joseph. And that right there, gang, that messes with us a little bit with what we think should be happening to a person who has the call of God on them, right? Right? Because I mean, I'm telling you, I don't personally envision being stripped and humiliated, being beat up, rejected and sold to by my brothers as being like favored and, being, and, the, and the Lord being with me. Right? Do you know what I would picture if I see the Lord being with me? That, that right as my brothers start to approach me, that a bolt of lightning strikes two of them and kills them just so they know God means business. Then like a Morgan Freeman uh, voice comes out and goes back off, right? And they freak out and they run away. That's how I see the Lord being with me. I don't know about you. Because God being with me means good things happen, not bad things, come on. But that's not what we see. What this says though, is that God was with them. He's a slave in a foreign land, doesn't know anybody and he's far away from home. But it says, Joseph knew that the Lord was with him. And if you're taking notes, we're gonna see a lesson in each one of these acts. Here's the first lesson that we learned from Joseph, which is this for us, is that we cannot give up even when things don't start off so well. We can't give up even when things don't start so well. Things didn't start off so good for Joseph. And here's the truth. For the amount of people in this room, I would say a lot of us have a story where things didn't start off so good in our faith either. That, that we found hurdles, that we saw some things that were trying to stop us up. And, and what can easily happen, gang, is what does happen, unfortunately, is that we go past God's potential in us because we just see the problems that are right in front of us. That we don't see God's potential in a situation. We only see the problem and it becomes a barrier. And then we end up giving up because it kind of seems harder than it should be or harder than we think it should be. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. A lot of us, a lot of us actually give up on the journey because we allow the first setback to stop us. But can I just tell you, can I just say that what we may see as a setback, God sees as a setup for him to work in and work through, come on somebody, like that's what he does. And that's what we're gonna see with Joseph. Joseph did not give up. He believed, here's what it is, gang. He believed God's with me. I'm good, I'm good. All right, so now that's act one. Act two, uh, now we're about 10 years later. All right, so Joseph's no longer a 17-year-old boy. He's a man. And what we learn is that Potiphar, this, this Egyptian, uh, he's a very high-ranking uh, official in, in Egypt. And he sees Joseph working for him and he just notices this favor that's on Joseph and, and he sees this God is just blessing him. Now, Potiphar does not believe in God. He doesn't believe in God, but he sees this favor that Joseph has. And so what ends up happening is Potiphar puts this slave Joseph in charge of everything in his entire house, all right? So we're gonna pick this up in chapter 39. Uh, we're gonna be in the middle of verse six, all right? Here's the next chapter or next act. Here's what it says. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? 
And so though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. This next moment is a critical moment in Joseph's life. So let me tell you what's happening here. Let me tell you what's, what's going on here. So Potiphar's wife had a ton of power, right? She had so much power that she pretty much got whatever she wanted whenever she wanted it. But here's what we wanna see as well. Joseph here has some power too. He had power as well. He's in this new position. He's in this place of power. And so he can use that power as well. So we see how she uses the power that she has. And we see how Joseph, where he is with this power, listen to me, in a culture that does not believe what he believes, in a culture uh, that doesn't believe in his God. So how would they know what he thinks is good or not good? How would they know what his rules are and aren't? And here's what I'm gonna tell you. How easy would it be? How easy would it be? No one would even blink. This happened all the time. This wasn't a big deal to them. And, and guys, this is exactly where temptation comes in for us. Because I mean, I mean, nobody's really looking. What's the big deal? It's just one, it's one thing and then I'll get right back to it, God. And you think about what he's been going through so far. He's like, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I got his position, but I'm still a slave. I don't even land. I mean, I'm still answering to somebody. I don't have property or anything like that. Why remain faithful? Just this one time and then I'll come right back. But here's what we see Joseph doing. He refuses. He refuses. Three reasons why Joseph says no. And it's right there in verse eight and nine. One was he was loyal to his boss. Two, he was loyal to God. And three, he called it what it was. He called it what it was. Do you notice that? Like he, he doesn't call it kind of a fling. He doesn't call it, ah, it'd be all right. No big deal. He doesn't do any of that. He says, it's wickedness and it's a sin and I'm not gonna do it. And for us Christians, sometimes I just think that we get, get desensitized to what things actually are, what sin actually is, because we just kind of give it a different name. So it seems a little bit more palatable to us. We can't do that, gang. We can't do that. That's what he doesn't do. It's like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like when you uh, mash up cauliflower and call it potatoes. Like you ain't fooling anybody. You know what it is. <laughs> a few years ago, Corey and I were trying to eat better, trying to get healthy. So she said, I'm gonna try that, right? So she mashes up them cauliflowers. And so she said, we ate it. She goes, what do you think? And I said, tastes like cauliflower. It, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It wasn't that bad, but it was not beautiful, fluffy, buttery mashed potatoes. I, I don't know what to tell you, okay? So she agreed. Uh, hey, everybody, let's just call sin what it is and stop being around the bush, Amen. And here's why. We don't do it because all oh, you shouldn't do it. We do it because we know what it can do. It kills us. Sin lies to you. There's no good in it. There's no good in it. And so Joseph, man, he says, I, I know I belong to God. And so therefore, because I belong to God, here's what my life looks like. I'm not gonna sleep with my boss's wife. He was on the keep it simple plan with God. And I'm telling you, some of us need to adopt that. He was just, I'm gonna keep it real simple. I'm just gonna do what I know God tells me to do. So Joseph refuses. You know, Potiphar's wife doesn't give up. She doesn't give up until she finally realizes this guy is not gonna give in. And so she gets all hurt. She gets all, you know, bothered and feeling rejected. What she, so what she do? So here's what she ends up doing. She accuses him publicly of trying to accost her and assault her. Uh, and so all these other people in her circle will believe her. And then one day Potiphar, the Potiphar comes home. She says the same thing to Potiphar and he believes, here's what happens. We'll see what happens. So it says this in, in verse uh, 19. It says, so when, when Potiphar heard the story that his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger and Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Next verse, which we see again. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. There's our phrase again. 
And man, it's like, kind of like, hey man, can we figure out some other ways for you to be with me here, God? Like something a little less prison-y? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know, that's what I would probably say. But here's what happens over the next several years. Over the next several years, he's in prison. And what ends up happening is uh, Pharaoh's, a couple of Pharaoh's guys, the head honchos guys, get into prison with him. And they're in there and they have these dreams. And Joseph goes, hey, I, I think I can figure out what those dreams are. And so he tells them, he interprets the dreams and he nails them. At least he nails one of them. The exact same thing happens. And then the second guy, he, I don't know, finds favor again and he's end up get, get, gets to be put out of prison. So Joseph goes to that guy, he goes, hey, hey, remember what I did. Don't forget me. I'm here unjustly. You know, don't forget me. And he goes, I promise I won't forget you and forgets him for the next two years. Okay, like that's crazy, two years. But here's, what I want you to notice, and again, if you're in our daily reading plan, you've already read past this, but if you go back and read, I want, just, I want you to notice something as you read this story because it was glaring to me. Not once in this entire story of Joseph do you see him blame. Not once do you see him throw his faith away. Not once do you see him put a dent in his integrity. He doesn't try to change. He doesn't even try to get out of it. And here's my guess. My guess is there are all kinds of questions that he didn't have the answer to, but all he knew and all he kept believing is the Lord's with me. I just know that God is with me. And so gang, listen to me. So he just kept living like that was true. In prison, in prison, if you're taking notes. And so here's the second thing that we also saw him overcome that we can't give up even when the right decisions put you in surprising spots. Even when making the right decisions put you in surprising spots, right? Jo Joseph made the right choice. He made the God choice. He did right by God. But here's what we see. People who weren't following God put him in prison. They put him in prison for it. And gang, metaphorically, that's gonna happen to us as well. If we're following God and if we're making God, don't be surprised by that, everybody. Don't be surprised. Making a God decision in a world that does not live for God will sometimes have a worldly response to it. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. And we shouldn't let it rattle our faith. And we shouldn't be thrown off in our pursuit of God's call in our life. Amen, everybody? We shouldn't be surprised by that when we make God decisions around here, okay? So Joseph's in prison, right? Joseph's in prison and he's making the best of it. Living for God, serving people, doing it, but whatever he did, God succeeded him again, it says, in prison, in prison, don't miss that. But he just keeps believing God's there and he keeps doing the God thing, the right thing. And so then one day he ends up in front of Pharaoh. He ends up in front of Pharaoh a few years later and because he needs a dream interpreted that nobody could do. And then finally that one guy's like, hey, I remember a guy, oh, uh, he's in prison. you know. And I could imagine them seeing each other. He's like, hey man, anyway, so he gets up there and so he, he interprets, he goes, he goes, hey, can you interpret this dream? And I love Joseph's response because he says, I can't but my heavenly father can. I love, he never, I love that about Joseph too. He never gives himself credit, always gives credit uh, to God. And so this dream that he interpreted for Pharaoh was this, that he said, all right, there's gonna be, here's what this dream means, Pharaoh. There's gonna be seven years of plenty. Like the next seven years is gonna be, you're gonna be crushing it, right? Then there's gonna be seven years of famine. It's gonna be brutal and you need to be prepared, Pharaoh. You need to be ready. You need to start building up. You need to start getting everybody ready, get people in charge of storing the stuff and overseeing stores, getting taxes, getting all that stuff ready for the famine that's coming, okay? You gotta store as much grain as possible. And so let's read what, ha it's unbelievable what happens. Let's read what happens with this, with this guy. It says, all right, the plan seemed good to chapter 41, verse 37. So the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. And I love this. So, so Pharaoh asked him, hey, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the spirit of God? He didn't believe in God. 
The Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Think about that. Think about that. Think about the journey that starts with this 17 year old kid with a dream to being beat up, being thrown in a pit and being sold as a slave by his brothers to being falsely accused, convicted and in prison. And now he's the second command in all of Egypt, the strongest in all the land. It's amazing, it's amazing. So he puts Joseph in charge and just like Joseph said, Everything comes true. Everything comes to be. And seven years of plenty come and Joseph just like builds it up, man, builds up. And then the eighth year comes, famine hits, just like he said and, and has never seen anything like it. And so then people from all corners are coming to buy grain uh, from Egypt, all right? Now we're gonna jump to, to chapter 42, verse three. And here's what it says. This is great. Then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain for Egypt, from Egypt. So here come the brothers. This is great, isn't it? Let's keep reading. Verse six. Now, Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all his people. And so when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces on the ground. Now, this is a moment, isn't it? This is a moment. I mean, here's Joseph with all he went through and all he endured. And here are the dingbat brothers who put him in that situation and they don't know who he is. Here's the thing, gang. 23 years have passed. He's not a 17-year-old kid anymore. He's an adult and, he, and he's not wearing his glitter jacket anymore. He's like in governor's Egyptian guard. He's probably got eyeliner on and the blue shadows stuff and all that stuff. They don't know who he is. He knows who they are, but he doesn't break character for a while, if you read. And then finally, finally, they end up knowing who he is. They find out it's Joseph. And here's the first thing they did when they found us, Joseph. You know what they did? They said, don't kill us. Think about that. Don't kill us. And here's what Joseph says, chapter 50. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. And gang, I'm gonna submit to you, I can't find, there's only a handful, maybe, of stronger, more amazing statements than that in the entire Old Testament. What you meant for bad, God used for good. I forgive you. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, imagine. Imagine the emotion that he has. And you can read it. There's times where he goes and cries. He's crying. Imagine the, the, the harm, the, the offense that's coming back, rearing his head and the anger and the vitriol that wants to take over. How easy would that be to let that take over everybody? But he doesn't. He doesn't let it take over. And honestly, I think a lot of us get derailed by the offense of others. And I'm telling you, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. If you keep thinking there's something there, there's nothing there. Some of us right now, right now, you're in a place of unforgiveness with somebody else. And the resentment you're carrying, I just wanna tell you, the resentment you're carrying, it's hurting you, not them. It's holding you back. It's killing your journey. It's killing your journey right now with God. And it's weighing you down from the victory that God wants you to have. Do you see that? I hope you do. 
because that's what God wants to show you. I think Joseph would encourage you. He just encourage you right now. If you're in this moment of unforgiveness with somebody, there is nothing that holding on to unforgiveness will do to heal you. Only God can heal you and he wants to set you free. He wants to set you free today. It's one of the things that we talk about a lot in our Freedom in Christ class in the course that we do. We do it every semester here. Uh, and, and, we, and it's amazing. I went through that course. Courtney and I went through it the first time we did it here. And when we went through uh, the forgiveness part of it, here's what amazed me. See, this was crazy to me. When we worked through it, uh, God put on my heart someone that wasn't even on my radar to forgive. That's what he does. And I was like, whoa. And then when I forgave them, it was like this weight was lifted. I didn't even know it was there. It was amazing to me. It was a block that got unblocked. So I, I, I just wanna tell you really quick, I, I would recommend freedom in Christ to anybody who, and what we did is more than forgiveness, it talks about what your identity in Christ is and what it looks like and how to actually live free, live free like God wants you to do. So next time that's offered, I really encourage you to sign up for that, for freedom in Christ. And so Joseph forgives his brothers and the dream that he had 23 years ago comes to be. And so here's the third lesson that we need to learn from Joseph. And it's this for us, that we can't give up even when the dream is taking a long time. Even when the dream is taking a long time. Here's the truth. There are some dreams. There is some calls from God. It just takes a while, doesn't it? Take, take some time to come through. And, and, and you just hear, I think what some of us do is we read this part, this part of Joseph's, like the third part of Joseph's life. We're like, yeah, I mean, well, if I knew the, how that was all gonna work out, I mean, I wouldn't give up either. But gang, listen to me, Joseph never knew. You gotta catch that. He didn't know in the pit. He didn't know that in prison. He didn't know that in the middle of part of his life, which was 20 years, by the way. I think, here's what we gotta catch. I think... What happens in the middle is so important for us to see. What happens in the middle is so important for us to see because there isn't a person in this room who hasn't had at least one story of waiting. Come on, with what we know God wants or what we know God sees in our lives and being in the middle, and there's not one person that doesn't have a story of being in the middle with our faith and God's call and, and God's timing and our timing. And what comes up are these circumstances, right? Circumstances that are hard. Circumstances that don't make sense or, or from the outside look that it, it should be actually cause people to lose their faith. But imagine if, imagine if you have the kind of faith that whatever happens, no matter what it is that you can say, God, I trust in you. I, I know you're with me. Uh, I know your plan for my life is better than anything that I'm going through. And it's the most important thing to you. So it's gonna be the most important thing to me. Imagine if you have total peace, total hope, and whatever you're going through and what that can do for you. And I'm here to tell you it's possible and God can do it and it happens all the time. Anyone say amen to that? It happens. Look at what Habakkuk says about this. I love this. Habakkuk says this, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end and, and, and it will be fulfilled. And if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it surely will take place. It will not be delayed. I think somebody in here needs to hear this today. With what you're going through, what happened in your life, with what may happen in the future, God does not, will not ever waste a single day of your time. He will never waste a single thing that happens to you. And he may not, he may not cause it to happen, but he will use it every single time. And so that, that causes us, everybody, that we can come to a place with him of hope. 
of believing he's with me, that he has the best for me. And, and we rejoice in our suffering, not because we, we like what we're going through, not because we wanna deny his tragedy or pain, but because we know that God is using life's difficulties, that he's using it. He doesn't waste them. And because of the victory that we have in Jesus, gang, listen to me, we have hope. We have hope and we can face things that come with whatever it is that we face. Amen, anybody? That's, that's what we see. So here's how we're gonna end this morning. We're gonna end in worship. In worship, because I think there's a lot that, that we cover, a lot that God, and I just think uh, that maybe God is speaking to some of you this morning uh, in some of these acts. Maybe, maybe God's working in some of you this morning through thinking about just, man, I need to see a victory today, God. Show me a victory in my life. Maybe some of us this morning, maybe you're thinking about giving up and maybe God is saying something about that, about not giving up. Maybe, maybe you're battling unforgiveness. Maybe uh, you just need to say, God, I just need to at least know you're with me. And he answers that, all of those. And so we're gonna, we're gonna worship, sing together, just see what God does with us as we lift our eyes to him and sing through this last song and then I'll come back out and I'll pray. Let's all stand. Let's just worship one more time in response to this message.
let's sing that one more time. You take what the enemy, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. Come on, every voice. Turn it for good. One more time. Yeah. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Yes, yes. Amen. We all, uh, I think we all go through times in our faith where we want to give up, right? Am I right? And, and I just love this story. I love how God uses Joseph, at least for me, to show me that when times like that do come, that, that, that Joseph's life shows me that, that, that he can help me when, when times are hard, that God's like, I can help you, that, that he encourages me, that he encourages me when it, when it seems like my timing's off from your timing, God. And then he shows me that even when I wanna give up, God never gives up on me. And so I, I will never give up on the promises of God that will always come true, amen, everybody. And because of Jesus, I get to hope to last forever. I hope that this story reach some of you today. I just feel a need, like we got a few minutes left and we're gonna play out, we're gonna release, but if anyone needs prayer, I'll be over there. And if you need prayer, I'll pray for you with whatever time I got left. Let me pray. God, uh, we love you. Thank you for this incredible message. And it's, this, this isn't about Joseph. This is, this is the point of Jesus, the hope that we have the salvation that comes, the freedom that you want to give us and, and that we can face whatever comes our way with hope, that we can face whatever comes our way with your truth, your presence. We know you're with me and you will never forsake us. We love you for that and we thank you for being an amazing, awesome, good God. And we're encouraged today by this great message that we received from you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, that concludes our service. If anyone needs prayer, I'll be right here. Uh, don't forget to grab a bagel if you need, if you want it from a volunteer.